Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the UW Film Club podcast, where each week we invite a member of the club onto the show to talk a movie, talk about a movie of their choosing. And that movie could be good, bad, or topically relevant. This time it's a little mix of good and topically relevant, because we are doing some holiday episodes. Yep. So getting the, uh, the festive spirit, this is our first in three weeks that we're planning to do holiday episodes. Uh, I'm one of your hosts. Greg Arietta. I'm Louis Golub. And joining us this week is none other than former club president, Jamie Housen. Hello, thank you for having me on the pod. Thank you for being here. For those who, uh, who haven't heard of Jamie, you know, give us a little introduction of yourself. Yeah, wow. Um, well, I'm a recent alumnus. Uh, I went to UW uh, the last four years, and in three of those I spent as co-president with Greg of the film club. Uh, so I was pretty involved with film on campus and uh, really enjoyed being part of uh, the UW Film Club. Um, I think it was a great opportunity and um, really allowed me to explore a bunch of different kinds of movies and, and it's uh, kept my interest in film even as I've graduated school. It's nice to still follow along with the club. So uh, very grateful for y'all having me on the pod. Oh, no, yeah, we're, we're happy to have you. And, you know, Film Club for me uh, personally was very very nice uh, to, to meet new friends and, and all that, uh, and also just learn more about film, and I feel like, uh, well, I hope that's what our members get from it, you know, this year. Where's my alumni donations? Yeah, yeah, good question. sending in those mailers I mean, right I now. think you really need to start doing, you know, an alumni push for, for donations, you know, get a, get a film club list going, you mm-hmm. know, just shoot it out, or, or you could do calls and ask people, you know, film club needs your help, we have to you know, pay for this candy or, you know, this what podcast it, equipment. What's, what's the technical term for door knocking? Uh, canvassing. Canvassing. Yeah. Jamie's a political consultant now or works at a consulting firm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ask him about politics. How could, yeah, how could I, well, uh, it's a good thing that this movie, you know, involves a little bit of politics too, huh? Yep. This week, as we mentioned before, is the first in our holiday series. And as such, we decided, uh, we were trying, we were guiding Jamie in a certain direction of holiday films. Jamie, I, I thought, like to think outside the box a little bit. <laughs> I thought for sure he was going to go with the social network. Um, not really a holiday film, yeah. but, you know, just, you know, we keep uh, we even it's two Christmas options. It's Christmas every time I watch it. That's true. <laughs> that is a pretty much perfect movie. Uh, we gave two options. We said holiday movie or uh, person or, you know, personal pick. He went with the holiday theme, and he chose... Batman Returns. Tim Burton's Batman Returns. Now, this is the second one. The first second one Tim Burton. Second yep. Tim Burton Batman. Yeah. The second in the quadrilogy, technically. Yeah, you can forget about the ones that came after this one. This movie came out in 1992. Stars Michael Keaton as the Batman. Danny DeVito as uh, the, the penguin. penguin. Oswald Cobblepot. Christopher Walken as uh, business mogul Shrek. Shrek. Yeah. Max Shrek. Yeah. Uh, love is, uh, Shrek is love, Shrek is life. Yeah. Shrek Retold oh, came out, uh, <laughs> Shrek Retold came out like what, two days ago. I don't know what that is. Okay, so Shrek Retold is where they got like 200 animators to do a shot, 200 personalities, you could say animators or like live action to do a shot-for-shot remake of uh, Of Shrek. Shrek? Oh, wow. Using their own interpretations of the scene. I know what I'm doing when I get home. Yeah, it's an hour and a half on YouTube. Check it out. (laughs) Um, uh, Where is that? Michelle Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, one of the most prolific superhero superhero film performances as Catwoman with Selena Kyle. Mm -hmm. You want to give a synopsis of this movie, Jamie? Sure. What made you want to pick this movie? Yeah, well, uh, so given that it, it's the holiday season, I thought, uh, what no better way uh, to think about uh, Christmas than Christmas in Gotham, uh, which is sort of the, the set of this, uh, the setting of this film. But uh, it's all about really um, sort of the distinct types of people that live in Gotham City, and, and that starts with uh, the wealthy Cobblepot family um, dropping their um, disabled uh, child, Oswald, into the river. Uh, Oswald Cobblepot would grow up to be the penguin. Um, And so throughout this movie, uh, you basically see how this character of the penguin 
as well as uh, Max Shrek and Bruce Wayne, uh, Batman and Selina Kyle, uh, how they all interact with the city of Gotham and, and sort of how they all play their own role in making it such a unique place. Um, so the Penguin uh, launches this scheme um, to uh, find out about his parents and to gain notoriety in the city um, and ends up working with Max Shrek, who is this businessman um, who uh, is trying to fast track a project that he has uh, for, for energy. Um, with the city. Yeah, with the city. Um, so he's trying to fast track a project with the city to, to create more energy and, and make himself essentially um, more wealthy. It's um, not a project that the city needs, but one that he wants. Um, and so anyway, he ends up working with the Penguin in an attempt to recall the mayor of Gotham City um, and uh, fast-track this plan, uses the Penguin as sort of a political tool. Um, meanwhile, Selina Kyle is actually uh, Mr. Shrek's secretary and assistant. An assistant, and, yeah, executive. Yeah, executive assistant. assistant. Got to get the, the title <laughs> right. Um, and so um, through her own interactions um, with Shrek and through uh, his attempt to murder her, she ends up uh, losing it a bit and uh, becomes Catwoman, um, goes home in a, a fit of uh, rage and insanity and creates this Catwoman costume and um, becomes her own kind of vigilante uh, for good and for bad. Uh, yeah, Catwoman and, and, and Batman and, uh, and, and Shrek and, and, uh, and Penguin, they, they all have these crazy interactions and... Uh, you know, I don't know. Batman saves the day. Yeah. <laughs> Batman's the purveyor of good. Yeah. He's out here gonna save the day. Yeah. Um, but this is much more of a comic booky rendition. Some would say. I would say it's a a good mix of camp, of you know, sort of the traditional comic book camp, and then some more of the dark, sort of gritty realness that you'd see in like the Nolan films. So it's this weird in between that. Uh, it does sort of feel natural between you know the Adam West Batman and and the Christian Bale Batman. Yeah, and it yeah. does. Uh, for me, it seems like like Warner Brothers after the I guess the continuation of this series, they decided when Tim Burton wasn't coming back or Michael Keaton wasn't coming back, decided they didn't understand kind of that balance, and they decided to uh, go straight up into the camp, and which is why you get. Is it Batman Forever? Yeah. And then Batman and Robin? And Robin I, think, I think Batman and Robin first. I think Bat isn't Batman Forever the fourth one? No, isn't Batman Forever the one with the Riddler? And then it's like, it doesn't matter. They're I interchangeable. They're yeah. But you can <laughs> see are. where they took... If they were smart, they would have called the fourth one Forever. I guess they're not <laughs> smart, so maybe it's the third. They yeah. want. I can see like why they would want to continue with what was successful, but at the same time not understanding why these first two were so good. Yeah, Tim Burton, I think, was a really good match for Batman, right? Like, his style and his interest in this, like, dark but strange, you know, odd world, I think, uh, applied quite uh, quite well to Gotham um, and to this franchise. Yeah, no, uh, personally, I, I really liked a lot of the cinematography that was uh, done like I didn't expect it. I, originally, when I watched this movie, I thought it was going to be just a, you know, a very campy movie because of Tim Burton. Mm -hmm. But like, uh, there, you know, when, whenever you have like a character in their home, like mm -hmm. the first time you're introduced to Bruce Wayne, it's like really dark, yeah. and it's like a perfect like frame shot. Oh, yeah. And then also like Selena Kyle's uh, bedroom apartment. apartment is just completely pink. Yeah. And I like that use of color. It was very interesting. There's nothing more. I think for me. Nothing more magical than hearing the Danny Elfman score, which yeah. is a banger. The score is awesome in so this movie. So good. Uh, and then he, seeing, uh, for the first time, this shot right here, Bruce Wayne in his mansion, it's completely dark, and then he sees the bat signal, and you hear the score swell up, yeah. and you see Batman. That is just so... That was so good. Yeah. And you see him like with the uh, silhouette. Well composed. Yeah, and I think something else that's interesting, and you sort of bring it up, but um, really the first time you see Bruce Wayne and 
you know, the first time he's talking with people as Bruce and not Batman, it's like 38 minutes into the movie or something like that. Um, so there's definitely more of a focus on some of these other characters and how yeah. they fit into that world. Um, but the introduction of, of Batman and of Bruce Wayne is really well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that being said, there are some really cheesy moments in this film. Uh, yes. At camp. Um, on my note sheet I have, um, eat floor high fiber. <laughs> no, yeah, was... Which is when uh, <laughs> yeah, Batman is fighting that. Catwoman and... You know, just throws her against the floor. And I mean, do you disagree? I think there, I think there's some. I think it's high fiber. I don't know. Was it concrete or wood? That's the question. Uh, either way, it's probably not good for you. <laughs> um, I want to fill your void. Yeah. That's not. We'll get to that. We'll get to this <laughs> penguin later. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what is it? That's all I have written down. But there are some notable moments of camp. I mean, is it? Didn't he like? Isn't one of his plots to use penguins to I mean, do yeah, something? he's got penguins with rockets strapped to their backs. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you would have seen that in the Nolan movies, but <laughs> I could be wrong. Maybe if they had done a fourth This one. suit is very uh, rigid. Yeah, and you know what? I think it's more flexible than it is in the first Tim Burton <laughs> Batman movie, so that says a lot. Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty much infamously known now that when Nolan made the new Batman, he wanted... Like, it's a whole bit in the second in the Dark Knight. Like, mm-hmm. I want to turn my head when I'm going out of the the, the driveway. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really telling when you see this movie when he rips off the cowl and it's like this huge silicone. Yeah, it like rips ripping, basically. Yeah. yeah. Torn. Yeah. Basically, it's like a one-use thing because I guarantee you when they when he puts it on, it's probably so sweaty underneath that thing. It's after probably pretty day, tight, hard to get off. After they a to, day, Alfred of has shooting, to cut it off. He just <laughs> rips it off day. every day. Yeah. Um, you were talking about style, Louis. I think one of the one of my favorite things is the set designs movie. Everything's real. Yeah. As far as I can yeah. tell. Yeah. yeah. Um, all this looks like it's shot on a soundstage, but it looks very industrial. Mm-hmm. Um, not what's the word for it? Is there is a certain aesthetic? It's not Art Deco. It's almost gothic. Gothic industrial, I would say, because you get these giant monolithic statues on the sides of buildings. Um, everything is shot during the night, as far as I can remember, right? Is there any day scenes? Uh, is there day scenes? I mean, there are things inside that are more well lit, but, uh, but for the most part, it's very dark and, and um, yeah, the sewers, that sort of noir feel. Mm-hmm. Um, the sewers are all, as you would expect, like a sewer, but they are all very high ceilings. Um, that actually looks like a lair for the penguin. Yeah, the penguin's mm-hmm. lair is pretty crazy. Like, even when you look out the window here during Max Trek's building, it's all built up. There's no skyline. It's just city all around. Um, and I think that's kind of a, a defining characteristic of this film is how set design incorporates into the darker aspects of the film. So, uh, very well done, might I say. No, it is, it is very impressive. I actually couldn't tell where, like, real footage stopped and like the stage the matte painting or the yeah yeah begin you know? yeah um i think the stage design is uh one of the more iconic parts of the film um i think that at the time that they made the movie it was more than like 50 percent of the warner brothers um set or, or uh, stage uh, so they were using like almost all of or over half of their property wow um, just for this one movie which you know that's, uh, that's impressive. If you're gonna do it. Do it right. Um, yeah. So uh, Batman in this movie, does he or does he not kill? Oh, he kills. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> this guy slaughters people. Because it doesn't seem like he like do intentionally actually, tries to kill yeah, yeah. most of the time. But well, what did he? Doesn't he like throw a bomb on someone? Yeah. And, like, explodes. Yeah, that was fat, pretty. The he, big he, clown. Yeah. He he set like three clowns on fire yeah. as well. Look. Uh, it's all self-defense. It's, it's okay. all self-defense. Yeah, perhaps that wasn't one of the um, key tenets of Batman that spoke to uh, Mr. Burton, but I don't know. Um, yeah, was this the same as the? Because I'm again, I've I've watched all these uh, Batman films like on TV as a kid. Mm-hmm. 
so I don't remember a lot of the details. So is it the same for the first Michael Keaton Batman? Uh, yeah, I'm sure it is. I haven't seen that in a long time either. Um, yeah, this is my first time consciously aware of this movie. Like movie said, it's always been on TV. Yeah. Uh, I remember seeing it as a kid. I have the videotapes at home, like on VHS. Mm-hmm. And my dad would put them on, but you don't. Like when I'm like six or seven, I can't remember what what possibly could have happened back then. So. Yeah. It's kind of like Spider-Man. I'm still working on those. Uh, the video game got me inspired to watch um, those movies again. Yeah. Because I was like, you know what? I don't want to play this video game. I just want to watch the movie. You know, and The movie's two hours. And this movie, this game probably going to take me ten more to go through the whole story. So I'm going to go watch the movie. Yeah, I think Sam Raimi probably took some cues from Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from... Danny Elfman too because that was yeah. some of the campy elements of yeah, the Spider-Man because he's blending narrative thematic elements uh, with the camp there's mm-hmm. like an infamous goblin bomb that turns yeah that's awesome literally it's strips so cool. the flesh off the bones and you have the skeletons just that is such a great image in those movies <laughs> so funny uh, what does it say I think when you look at the poster for this movie Batman Returns of Batman, Catwoman, and the Penguin, you do get that kind of, that totem pole mm-hmm. look. I think it kind of plays into the theme because they're all just so similar. They're all these uh, really disturbed, you know. Yeah, they've all got some real issues. They've all yeah. got some problems. Yes. They're all dressing up as animals, going around the city. You know, if I was a citizen, I'd be like, what in the fuck is what going is, on? What is in the water? Where, I would be like, <laughs> what is going, where's my mayor? Where are my tax dollars going? Yeah, well... You probably don't want to recall the mayor, though, because otherwise you're electing this freak. Um, But, yeah, I think it's very interesting, too. I mean, Louis, you mentioned Batman Kills. It seems darker. I mean, he's really not even, though, the main focus of this movie, right? Yeah. I feel like Batman plays a a secondary role to uh, the Penguin and to Shrek and to Selina Kyle. They're all... um, It's all well-balanced. I would say. Yeah. That's that voice crack right there. Yeah, so. not like Spider-Man 3, the three villains there. Yes. Is that the insp- I think that might have... No. I don't know. It's because, like, there was, you know, pro- you know, the producers, Marvel... Uh, Sony, not Marvel. Sony was pretty rough with Raimi for the fourth one. Yeah, they And the they third one as well. Yeah, they wouldn't give him the control he needed for the fourth. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I would say that, that it manages all of these big characters really well all you know all played by very famous actors and, and uh, famous actress um, and I think they all are really interesting um, uh, as characters and, and um, all play a really important role in the story um, I don't think they are simple characters and I think they're quite interesting and I, I think the Shrek character is pretty interesting too in that you know you have perhaps the, the worst of the three villains is not this deranged yeah. animal character, but it's this guy in a suit who wants to, you know... Take control. Yes, yeah. Uh, manipulate manipulate Gotham's politics and um, spend, uh, spend, a mon- uh, spend a bunch to create um, more money for himself. His, like, uh, to me, it seemed like, you know, he was still a typical supervillain, mm-hmm. like, with a power, mm-hmm. but his power was negotiation, and even uses it at the end, like, to save Maybe his Maybe forceful negotiation. Yeah, forceful negotiation, <laughs> but still. I mean, for, well, at least for the Penguin at the first time, like, when he's trying to convince him to run for mayor. Yeah. It's not for the Penguin's sake. Yeah, he does a good job, uh, makes a strong argument. He's a good recruiter, uh, yeah. if we were talking in that. Uh, the political industry good at recruiting a candidate the penguin is not uh, not he, I mean he's not a great person but you know he's pro-environment yeah he's yeah. out here yeah. petitioning the mayor for you know or petitioning for it's a, good, a good campy line is uh, uh, no more global warming more global, global cooling. cooling yeah um, uh, he doesn't like Max Shrek dumping all the waste mm-hmm He's got the receipts on Max Shrek, too. Yeah. He's yeah. got the hand. He's got the sludge. Yeah. got everything. So. Yeah, interesting power dynamic. Uh, yeah. Where he's he... quite progressive in that sense, you know. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't he use that ever, like, at the end? Bigger problems, maybe. Um, yeah. Kill it. Oh, I love that. Sorry. 
uh, his plan, you know, to to kill the first the born. firstborn son. Yes, yeah. I just love like I I don't love the plan because it's fucked up, but I really like <laughs> oh, yeah. the wrote, one character. I wrote down <laughs> biblical first son plan. Yeah, I love that. The like there was one so character that said, "Hey, killing sleeping children that's a little," and then he just gets shot. Yeah. That was hilarious. I love that scene so much. Yeah, I think that that's it's a pretty interesting plot too. You know, it's sort of like the penguin ran out of things to do, so he's like, "What's the worst I could do? <laughs> Kill all the firstborn sons." So because I was a firstborn, that yeah. was abandoned. Yeah. So other firstborns. Yeah, and I believe maybe earlier drafts of the script had Shrek and and uh, uh, Oswald Cobblepot being siblings or something like that. Yeah. Which would have been an interesting take too, like the, the chosen or the preferred child and the, the one that got thrown in the river. I mean, the penguins got more, like physical or more tangible motivations than half of these villains nowadays. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I and I think that there are sort of a couple of interesting things to think about when you compare this movie to um, many of the comic book films you see today. But it had style. You know, yeah. it had its own unique. Uh, sort of score and it was composed differently and it's dark and it's all this but there's also sort of a purpose for those things right like it's it's um, related to not only the the original character but this story here and um, so everything feels very intentional in this film a lot of the choices um, from set design to costume design to uh, the screenplay and the, the words um, the characters and, and all that stuff in the score, it all feels uh, intentional um, and comprehensive. It's, uh, it's sort a complete of all, package. Yes, yeah, it's all together. Um, and so uh, there is a beginning, a middle, and an end. Uh, there's a, an overarching theme, or there are overarching themes, and there's um, it's also all self-contained. Yeah. You don't have to have seen the original Batman to, to get this movie. Um, and uh, you don't leave this movie needing to see 40 other movies. Yeah. You're okay with this self-contained sort of Batman adventure. Yeah, that was one of the things. When you introduced this film, I was asking you, do I have to have watched the, the first Tim Burton Batman? And no, and you don't have to. Uh, the only reference I caught was the Vicky Vale mm-hmm. illusion when he has Selena Kyle over for dinner. Yep. Uh, that's the only reference I caught. Everything else was pretty easy. This was the original first reformed uh, environmental terrorist. Yeah. Oh man, that's a, that was a fucking great film though. First reformed, actually. But yes, no, that is <laughs> my crazy de- to think about. My definition of was for so long the Sicario two trailer was playing, mm-hmm. where they would talk about uh, terrorists or anyone that uses violence. To achieve a political goal, I'm like, mm. at first, Penguin's just kind of a maniac, so it doesn't make him terrorist. But then when you reject the the mayoral candidate role, right? Yeah, you make him a terrorist now. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's interesting. Uh, uh, another campy line that I, I think is pretty funny is, uh, "At least my nose isn't gushing with blood." Oh. Whatever it is. Uh, and then he bites the yeah, person. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, he's not well. Yeah. There's not times well. where I couldn't help but think of Frank from Always Sunny just screaming at people. Yeah. Oh, and Danny DeVito does play the role well. I think, you know, it's at times you're sympathetic to him, right? And then at other times you're like, damn, this guy is crazy. Yeah. Um, but I imagine if you lived in the sewer for 33 years or whatever, you know. How does he learn language? He was raised by penguins. Well, somehow the clown people are involved, you know. Yeah. The the clown gang. So I heard that he was actually, like, kind of method acting as the penguin. Oh, God. Wouldn't it be the last time this happens in these movies? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of sad, though. But no. Well, um, it took him, like, two hours to put on all the makeup and prosthetics and stuff. These guys have to get up at, like, four in the morning. Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer, too, couldn't get out of the costume. Like, they would put the costume on her, and she would have to wear it for 12 to 14 hours. Ooh. How does she... Pre- like, what is... It's, it's like a, it's like a synthetic plastic or... Yeah, they had to, like, put... Something. They had to put, like, some crazy powder on her for her to get it... Be able to fit into the suit. Mm-hmm. So ridiculous. Truly skin tight. 
um, which uh, is you know intentional. But yeah. uh, one of the things I wrote down was Michelle Pfeiffer, incredible, because this is like the greatest. It's so good. I mean, there is a little bit of camp because this person is like a cat person, right? <laughs> but she just carries this role and commits so hard to the point where it's just so good. Yeah. I can't and both as Selena Kyle and as the Catwoman. I mm-hmm. think she's really good in both yeah. both sides of the ego. I love that scene when she falls out the window and all the cast just starts swarming, mm-hmm. and uh, then she ascends to be this cat person. Um, not only in terms of her performance, but the duality that she has. That she has that reserved kind of um, what is that? That stereotypical trope of a, of a secretary who's not speaking up but has opinions and then has that switch to a um more vocal yeah uh yeah she's not afraid to to uh, uh to change things up when she's in that that suit and, but even though when uh, even after that when she comes back as a secretary there's sort of this um acute awareness that she has uh, that she's changed or more vocal or more um uh uh, it's the glass intimidating you know um, her and Max have that interesting exchange when she first comes back after he's literally tried to kill her um, yeah and I think that um, she sort of has this reserved power that you know she's now exuding and I think that's very impressive um, from an acting standpoint and very interesting from a character and film standpoint it's the glasses trope no one notices yeah. the attractive woman until she takes the glasses off, and then all of a sudden, she comes yeah. back. It's sort just, of dialed up yeah. to the extreme past attraction to, uh, you know, What uh, is it? It's um, Princess Diaries does that. Uh, she's all that. She's all that. Um, what's the other one? The one about a nerd in high school. It's not Clueless. Okay. Eating meat from the inside. Wait, uh, nerd dude or a nerd chick? Nerd chick. It's always a girl. That's the the trope. trope. Yeah. Mm. It's like the the librarian, you know. Yeah. Regardless, that trope is existent here, but uh, she becomes the Catwoman. Yes. Which which do you think is better? I I think after seeing this now, I think it's better than Anne Hathaway's. Yeah, I think the similarities are interesting Mm -hmm. um, too. um, In that. I uh, like the the fact that you know this character is not purely evil or is not you know yes. purely villainous and um, has other motivations, and I, I think that's interesting. But uh, yeah, I think it's a more iconic role than Anne Hathaway. It's not that Anne Hathaway was bad as Catwoman. Oh yeah, she was um, good. I think. Well, I think people hate that The Dark Knight Rises for other reasons. I'm a fan. It's a great movie. Yeah, I, think I like people, it a lot. What? You'd like it? I like it. Okay, yeah. good. Because I like Dark Knight Rises. People like to rip on it for like all of these. Um, they like the the realism of, of Batman, right? And then they always harp on like uh, like his spine and how he how does he get into Gotham and flying. And I'm like, you guys are just. It is a solid plot hole. It's a pretty yeah. wide, pretty big plot hole. I'm like, y'all but. are just everyone's getting so up in arms with these t- these plot holes here. Yeah, know. that movie's a banger. Would you guys rather have the Dark Knight Rises or I don't know Ant Man the Wasp or something? <laughs> yeah, I mean even even Batman Begins is a little slow compared to the banger that is the Dark, Dark Knight, Knight Rises. Yeah, yeah no, I, I do Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, and then Batman Begins. Yeah, yeah that's that's also my ranking. The, the thing is, uh, <laughs> a lot of a lot of diversity in thinking <laughs> on this podcast. I love it. You know, there's there's opinions. one thing, there's yes. one fair point I'll give to like the haters of the Dark Knight Rises is uh, if you look at like the stuntmen in the background, sometimes oh, yeah, they, they just, just do it back. <laughs> they just that's like funny. drop for no reason. Yeah, the and Joseph Gordon-Levitt Gordon pit, and also the one where they were in that the giant, the giant um, final pit. battle. No. Oh, yeah, people are just falling down, yeah. which is fine. They're not CGI goop like we do have in most of these Marvel movies. Yeah, it's yeah. not as bad as the Marvel movies, obviously, but the it's still only, funny. It is still funny. Yeah, back to Batman Returns and CGI. I think the only CGI in this movie uh, are the bats and some of the penguins, or some of his, some of the penguins' minions. I don't know. There are real life penguins in this movie too. I mean, and some of them. That's, that's the question I was watching because I was like, 
is this animatronic or real? S yeah, it's so it's, it's all it's all those things. There there are animatronic penguins. There are uh, people in penguin costumes, and then there are uh, actual penguins and, and, CGI. and maybe CGI penguins too. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, how much did this movie cost? Oh, I pulled it up. Uh, Eighty-five million? No. Uh, it cost. Eighty million was the budget, according to Wikipedia. Fifteen million in marketing. Uh, it didn't say just the little budget thing next to it. Box office is two hundred and sixty-six point eight million, non-adjusted. Yeah, I think that's probably domestic. They go to box. I go to Box Office Mojo because they're. I don't know how Box Office Mojo gets their stats. They probably get their receipts directly, but great resource. I mean, mostly you know the Wikipedia. Box office numbers generally from Box Office Mojo. Oh, okay. So two sixty six was total, not domestic. Damn. How much domestic? Uh, One sixty two. Yeah. So I think maybe that's why they. I mean, it made a lot of money, but I guess it could Let's have see. made even more, more money, money yeah. uh, which is why they went towards a a less dark and a more approachable Batman, which uh, you know uh, led to a more critically panned. Batman. Yeah. Batman's supposed to be dark. Yeah, Val Kilmer and George Clooney. You know, that's that's what they're doing wrong right now is that they're making Superman dark instead of. Well, that was Batman. that was a big controversy because they thought they were like, let's take that's another Warner Brothers coincidentally like also uh, takes a formula that they don't understand and applies it to other things. <laughs> um, so that's just like they saw no dark and gritty Superman, we and they were they were like throwing checks. Yeah, no. They were like, "How much do you want to do these fucking movies?" Yeah, no one didn't even want to come back to do um, no. Dark Knight Rises. He's like, "Well, I already made my my yeah. masterpiece," but they brought him back. Just I guess for me as a filmmaker, which I'm not, <laughs> if I were to make a trilogy, I'd be like, you know, want to control the whole thing. Yeah, like, I want to do one, two, three, and then have that be its own thing. Um, no one didn't really want to do it, but uh, he had done like that one for me, one for you. Mm -hmm. Where he had just made the Dark Knight. Then he got to make Inception. Inception. Then he made this. And then he made Interstellar. Yeah. So I guess it was, here's your franchise thing. Now give me money to make my 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 2001. Yeah, my fun, my fun, my fun genre sci-fi pick. Yeah. Um, well, and I I think you know talking about the failure that uh, is uh, um, Man of Steel and the follow-up. Justice League movies yeah. and Batman versus Superman. I mean, what makes this movie really good is that it uh, it plays off of the Batman character and what drove that comic book. You know, dark, gritty, and noir, and you know, with some element of camp, makes a lot of sense for Batman. But that isn't the same feature, uh, or those aren't the same features in Superman comics, or exactly. Um, you know, in, in on the other side, on Marvel and Spider-Man comics, or in Captain America comics, they're they're different, um, and so I think that DC fundamentally misunderstands um, what makes for an effective and compelling, um, comprehensive comic book film. Um, you know, Marvel has created this comprehensive um, universe, yeah. and so that has the same tone throughout for the most part, and um, you know that is a um, an intentional decision that you sort of have to make when you have this gigantic universe of characters, right? You have to have some sort of tone that brings them all together, you know, keeps them in the same basic uh, world, um, you know. But if you're making these uh, superhero movies that are, are one-offs or are watchable on their own, you're allowed to play with that more and you can do more interesting things with music or with cinematography or with uh, theme or you know any of these different cinematic elements. Yeah. And that gets lost when you're building a universe or a franchise. Yeah. For me, for Warner Brothers, like you said, they don't understand what's going on. So you you have them like doing huge tonal shifts. So you have them saying, okay, well, Marvel has this established uh, catalog of films that have their same tone, right? Well, we want to differentiate and make everything dark, right? Which I haven't seen Man of Steel since I was in high school. 
I remember being real a bad. It is real pretty bad. shit. Greg loves it. I'm gonna, it, I'm gonna it, preserve. It's, it's pretty horrible. I'm gonna to preserve. The listeners out there, please it's avoid bad. it at all costs. I'd, I'd rather watch Batman v Superman over Man of Steel. I'm gonna preserve honest. my, uh, what is it? Not my, uh, my fossilized opinion of it. Yeah. As it stands. Your, your but high school appreciation. Uh, even if you exclude that film, right? Yeah. And you still have BVS. You still have Suicide Squad. And that's it. And but you and see Justice League as well. And Justice League, crap. which was um, Justice League is like them trying to course correct. Oh god, this is a long story. Hey. So <laughs> they see this. They see that they want to differentiate by being dark. So they make everything dark, which doesn't work, right? So now you see them doing stuff like Superman is not dark. You know, Fair. it just doesn't yeah. work. Now you see them going one way entirely. They're going completely one direction to match Marvel because they want to match that success. So now you're seeing stuff like Aquaman, which looks just like another Marvel movie, and they're making... Uh, it's getting good reactions, though, supposedly. But that's the thing, is my thing with the... I'm, I don't trust it. I'm not going to say I, everyone, but I everyone likes it. the same thing over and over again. The same again. formula. The same formula, and that's what their notion no of risks. good is. I think that's another thing in, in all those super, all the superhero movies of today, or many of them. There aren't a lot of risks um, or imaginative um, attempts at something new in these movies. And right? that could be a byproduct of the studio system, yeah. where they don't want to throw $200 million at anything. Yeah. Uh, but my idea is, is that everyone's become so accustomed to these Marvel movies for the last 10 years, is that that's what they think, that's what they want to see. And when you do something different, it gets shunned and no one likes to go see it. So say you have something like, uh, Annihilation is not in the same camp, but it is an original idea mm -hmm. where Paramount was having friction with Alexander Garland in terms of how he wants to make that. Um, it's not one-to-one, -one, but it is its own IP. Uh, but people are just like, if it's not a superhero film, I'm not going out to go see it, which is sad. Um, but that's what people want. That's what they're gonna get, I guess. I mean, we're just sticks in the mud. We just don't don't like these comic book movies. If if I were a producer, which obviously I'm not, uh, I would like you know try to make some uh, low budget, highly stylized superhero film, films from like some. So the Joker. No, Tom no. Phillips, the Joker. <laughs> which is 50 no, no, but without not with like famous. Superheroes, you know. Oh, so like you would like, make you would make Dread. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Dread actually had a pretty good budget, though. Yeah. Supposedly, that, that you want to hear the funny story about that one oh. is that apparently Alex Garland, which we just mentioned, mm -hmm. actually uh, directed that movie. And uh, he's very and coy in interviews, and he bas thing. basically the assumption is that he pretty much directed that whole movie. That's crazy. Even though he wrote it. And he was like standing. He didn't get credit for it, but that's mm. the rumor. Don't tell the directors guild. Yeah. That creates some problems. Like um, Brian Singer on Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. He was the credit for that one. Um, bad man alert. Yeah, bad guy. <laughs> Just like Penguin, bad guy. Max Shrek, bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys have some real issues. They do. I have it up here. We can go back to our discussion of that, but. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> Batman Forever came out in 1985. After this one, it made 336 mil total. Wow. Then in 97, uh, so it made more than Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I mean, to be positive honest, feedback. To be honest, like, I, I really, you know, hate Batman and Robin, but I don't really think Batman Forever is that bad. And it's purely because Jim Carrey is the Riddler. Okay. Wait, 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 say that again. Which one did you say is worse? Because I think, I think uh, Forever is like bad, but then it just goes off the deep end. With Batman and Robin is the last one before they just can the whole Yeah, thing. Batman and Robin is the one with George Clooney. And that's also Arnold as yeah. yeah. as a that one just goes over Mr. Freeze. Yeah. Yeah. So like I was saying is uh, the positive feedback loop, right? So uh, Batman Forever makes more than Batman Returns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so they decide, like, oh, we well, need to this, make this even more accessible. Yeah, we made it should, more accessible. Let's make it even more accessible. This should just accessible. work. Let's make a let's make Batman and Robin. Yeah. And throw Arnold Schwarzenegger in there. Um, uh, 
you. George Clooney in here because more villains, more stars. You know, <laughs> bat nipples. Yeah. Bat, yeah. bat, bat card. Bat card. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Wait, and then that more, film. They've got Robin and isn't Batgirl in that as well? Batgirl, Batwoman. Or Batwoman. I don't know. Uma Thurman is in that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like how many people can we shove into this? Uh, did I say how much it made? It made two thirty-eight mil worldwide. So uh, on a, decline. Which? How much the budget? Uh, budget looks like well, budget one twenty-five million. Oh, ouch! So even worse. Only made one hundred seven in the states. So sad. Uh, this is not only was it a critical failure for obvious reasons, but financially the decline, uh, which you sometimes depends on how you see it. So you see something like Star Wars, and you get a decline over and over. Because how are you going to top something like The Force Awakens? Obviously going to be a decline from that to eight. But uh, this pretty much prompted them to say someone like Christopher Nolan and let him yeah, we're, take his We're in real it. trouble here with this franchise. Let's take a pause. Yeah. So they pause it for eight years, and then you have Nolan doing... Meanwhile, at the same time, actually, they're working on... Um, uh, they're working on the Superman reboot. That's before, true. Before this, they're working on the... Um, Superman Reborn, which is uh, the very famous um, Kevin Smith uh, uh, draft of a Superman movie. So he tells like a 30-minute long story that involves John Peters, who's a producer on Batman Returns, would have been a producer on the Superman movie that never got made. Um, Nick Cage was going to play yeah, Superman. No, I, that was... It's a very, very funny listen if you type in Kevin Smith, uh, Kevin Smith's Superman story. Pull that up. It's pretty funny. No, I'll definitely. Ch- I, I definitely heard of the. I've seen the pictures, you know, of, of Nick Cage in the suit. Yeah. And they're. You know, to be honest, it didn't look too bad. I would have wanted to see it just because Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. Well, they were trying to get Tim Burton involved with that uh, as well. Um, anyway, that's a, a, whole, a story for a whole nother podcast. Cobblepot would not fare very well in today's climate. He makes some pretty like. Yeah, you know we don't Bad see comments. a lot of the uh, we don't see a lot of the mayor of the current mayor, right? We, we yeah. see he seems to be a good guy. He's standing up, telling Shrek, "No, I'm not just going to give in to special interests." But we don't know. We don't know what he what his policies were. Otherwise, maybe he's a bad guy too. Seems like Gotham has a lot of crime. Uh, maybe they would be better served with Bruce Wayne as the mayor rather than running around as Batman. And, you know, stopping five criminals. I'm going to say like a Bloomberg kind of type. Yeah, yeah, wealthy yeah. guy, um, but uses that as a platform to to make real change. You know, rather than stopping five bad guys at a time, maybe implement policies that divert Stop. 500 bad guys you know, in from, the long term. But yeah. but the only way you stop a bad guy is with more bad guys. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> The only, yeah, the only way you stop one freak dressed up like an animal is, you know, two more freaks dressed up like animals. Solid logic. Yes. You want to talk about Elfman's score? And how it, I think Elfman's score is pretty iconic here, right? Yeah, it, it's very compelling. It's, uh, I think, I think well, um, Hans Zimmer does a great score with uh, Nolan's Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, that orchestral is good, but I don't think it's as iconic as Danny Elfman's like Batman score here because it's just it's, I don't know you can't. It's so full. It's so the uh, horns that come up and rise. Yeah, it and it's really throughout the film too. Mm-hmm. Um, you never lose the score. It, it constantly comes up and it drives a lot of the emotion. I think in the movie. Um, I think it's hard when you have these superhero movies where people are in masks and doing crazy things, and it's hard for them to emote um, and to get that same uh, emotional thematic connection. But the score does a really good job, I think, in this film of doing that and also driving the, the tone and the atmosphere of the city That's true. as well. Yeah. You, did you ever play the, the Lego Batman video game? I can't say that I have. They use that score in it. Oh yeah, that's what they use. They didn't even bother Smart. making one. Smart. I mean, I would. How would you top it? Sometimes it's just like, if it ain't broke, why even try to redo it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hollywood has doesn't understand that concept of 
If it ain't broken, yeah. fix it. But they'll uh, they'll keep trying. But that's a fun little handout using the, the Lego Batman video game because so good. The yeah. Lego Batman movie is pretty good. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. Actually, like it's it's very fun. Yeah. It's it's campy, but like it, you know, it's self aware that mm-hmm. it's campy. So it's amazing how many good Batmans we get, and how many like anything else in the DC universe is really hard to get a good rendition of anything outside of the comics. So I'm not a comic book reader, but you always have say you you go up to anyone and say uh, Aquaman sucks, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to say, well, actually, this this run by this author is good. Um, outside of the comic books, right? Yeah. We have plenty of good renditions of Batman. Yep. We have the movies, the animated, the animated series. The series is so good. Classic. We get great video games. Mm-hmm. The Arkham series. Those mm-hmm. are fantastic. Uh, you get the Lego Batman movie, mm-hmm. which is a, a mix of product placement and movies. Um, but not so much with everyone else. Yeah, it is funny. I mean, I, I would say that uh, I guess Superman is the flagship DC character, but I think as no. time goes on... It's, bad. it's definitely it's, Batman right yeah. now. Well, in terms of like the Justice League, you always think of Superman the yeah. same, right? Yeah. But now um, Batman's definitely the more popular one. His um, movies are better. <laughs> his yeah. movies are better. Uh, if you look at the Justice League now, if you look at the box art for... The Justice League is Wonder Woman's in the center because her movie is better. Yeah. And Superman's not even on the poster. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you just want to just rant about how bad Justice League is? Oh, my God. Justice League is one of the worst films. Please, someone bring Ever. it on the podcast because that movie, the marketing, from the onset of the marketing, you knew this movie was in trouble. They did this. <laughs> it was in real trouble. It was rocked early on. This movie, Justice League was supposed to start shooting one month one month after the release of BVS, and there is no going back. You have already done pre-production, you have everyone set in stone, and Warner Brothers is like, wow, let's put all our cards into Zack Snyder, who, up until this point, has only made, like, I think all his movies are debatable for whether they're actually good, right? So you have 300, which people love, and then you have Watchmen, which people love. So, yeah. No, no, it, it depends on like it, people wanna, who read yeah. Watchmen or not. I yeah, didn't. Usually, I've read it I, and it does not live up to the comics. Yeah, Zack yeah. Snyder doesn't really have what I'm trying to say here. Is he doesn't like you could. The only it's thing very that easy Zack Snyder has is a very distinct visual style. He, he's True. very good at creating these uh, unique and, and interesting uh, visuals. And, well, I um, mean, he used to. Sure. <laughs> Sure. Because, like, as soon as Man of Steel rolled in, it's just the same. Yeah, well, yeah. Dark. Yeah, very happy. Gray. uh, Trash. So he does 300, which is basically just a green screen movie. Um, He does Dawn of the Dead before that. Then after 300, he does Watchmen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then he does that owl movie, the CGI owl movie, Legend of the Guardian. Yeah, yeah. Oh, damn. Then he does Sucker Punch and then Man of Steel. But you... Like there's, I don't think there's a single movie where everyone's saying this is a great movie. Yeah. Like I don't. Bad. Maybe, bad news. Maybe I'm, is that my take? Is that no? Like, it's opinion? the same. It's the same for me, personally. I, I I never was a fan of Zack Snyder. So I don't know why they're trying. Like they've had so many people just trying to cycle in through here. It's like yeah. we're gonna have Zack Snyder be the head of this person. They're trying. Then we're gonna have Scott Snyder do it, and then we're gonna have um, this other guy whose name escapes me, but he's a current artist at DC. It's John something, whatever. They're yeah. trying to find a Kevin Feige, essentially, and they're not finding it uh, yeah. because they keep changing courses and whole disaster. So it's nice to see something like Batman Returns where none of this stuff exists. There's no universe they're trying to build out. There was, yeah, no push from the studio to set this up for 400 new movies. Exactly. It's a self-contained Batman story. So it's nice to see a, a comic book movie before Marvel came along and changed the notion of the game. Yeah, I would say one other thing about this that struck me comparing it to today's films uh, today's superhero films uh, is that 
it doesn't feel like the complete end of the world. Like, every Marvel movie or DC movie sort of has to one-up the last one with, like, uh, you know, these crazy aliens are coming in, or this god from another planet, or, you know, what, or this, you know, whatever. Like, or this planet. Yeah, this exactly. Radical yeah, this, 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 whole planet. This, this planet. That's <laughs> this <my> radical <laughs> militant who gets his own army and yeah. starts trying to do deceptive tactics. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, these are, those stories are all crazy and they're all like, if we don't stop this guy, it's the end of the, it's truly the end of the world. And this is a little just more simple and it's like, here's, here's an issue with some crazy people in one city. Um, and, you It's know, just that city. Yeah, there's exactly. No, like, there's no global, threat. yeah, there's no global threat to humanity. And I think that, you know, even though this movie is campy or whatever, it's somehow more realistic than, you know, all these crazy end-of-the-world superhero movies. It sucks because it keeps going, like, and then you expect it to happen again and again, and then, since it's a Marvel movie, you know they're not going to actually end it. Yeah, end yeah, you know the world isn't going to end. So it just takes all the excitement away. Yeah, I think there are more human consequences to this movie, too, right? Like... You know, the threat of all firstborn sons being killed is a lot more meaningful or impactful when you hear him reading those names and going through it than it is, uh, or than a Marvel movie is where the whole universe is gonna explode or, you know, whatever. Like, killing you lose the scale. The, you we're know? killing half the universe. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, the law of big numbers or whatever. My brain can't emotionally process that, um, that that's a you know, such a horrible experience. It's just not as meaningful as, like, what you see in, in this more reserved uh, movie. It's what There is definitely a lacking uh, element in Marvel movies that is, like, hard decisions and, and like, actual consequences of decisions, mm -hmm. you know? And, like, as soon as they actually... Even, like, the, the funny thing is, like, even with Infinity War, they never really make a decision like that is their fault like what happens is purely because of chance yeah you know, like it's all so following a straight line yeah and it's not like branches of options mm -mm. and and the funny thing is it's like yeah it's just circumstantial that thanos is was still alive at that point just because of random events that happen like a lot of deus ex machinas basically mm -hmm. in the in the script but even when even when, even with that, like Infinity War ends on a, there is a consequence note, but it's a part one of a part one two. One that'll get reversed next movie or changed so, in the last, you know, there, there's yeah. no effect. And, and there's also, I feel like not as strong um, a, uh, a thematic movement or a thematic push, right? There's, yeah. there, there, um, there is not a moral of a lot of these Marvel movies, except that they're going to make a lot of money. Justice prevails. Time. Justice prevails, yeah, yeah. basically. At yeah. the end of the day, the good, good guys. guy wins, I guess. Um, and that's not very interesting after you see it one time. So. Mm -hmm. You mean five times or seven times or yeah. 18 times? Yeah, well, these movies are still getting 90% or, or 100% or whatever. Who's reviewing these films? I don't what's, the next, who... what's the next Marvel movie coming out? Um, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Uh, has trailer dropping today. Well, hey, maybe that one. When you're listening to it two weeks ago, but yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know, Brie Larson's different. Good. Yeah, Brie but. Larson's a great actress, and and maybe they'll they'll look at it as a retro themed movie, but, but I like fear every that movie it will just end up being a retro Marvel movie. Every yeah. movie has like a a good a starring lead, and we're just like this could be promising, and then it's just like yeah. Uh, what's what's the point? It just ends up being gimmick Marvel, you mm -hmm. know, a slightly different take on the same formula. Want to hear my unnecessary joke? I think the wedge right in here. I think the most unique... Louis doesn't. Sorry, yeah, but no, I just wanted to bring this up, actually. The only thing that I found that was unique in Marvel style recently was Doctor Strange, and it was only one scene, really. It was that, like, really weird CGI scene when when she touches his head and sends him to the astral plane or whatever. Mm-hmm. That was a breath of fresh air, but other than that, there was nothing. It's nothing new from Marvel. Yeah. Well, 
guess one scene is better than no scenes. So <laughs> they should work. Yeah. Well, I want to hear your joke, Greg. Yeah. Oh, that was just a reference to uh, Marvel constantly berating us with jokes that we just don't need in these films. Oh, yeah. Look, the end of the world is coming. I don't want to hear your Ben and Jerry joke. Yeah. Or your Squidward joke. Yeah. Get that out of here. The humor in those movies is a lot more forced. Um, You know what's a great superhero film? And also one-off. Uh, unbreakable but no longer one off actually. yeah yeah no I mean, franchise isn't that a sad yeah isn't that a sad sort of truth right like it can't even be a standalone there's so much money in these superhero movies I mean I, I didn't like split um, you didn't like split that's all. fair but but I'm, I'm still psyched fine. I'm still psyched for glass. glass to be honest just to see the characters again I don't think you know, M. Night Shyamalan is really gonna pursue this further. No, it's not gonna he probably an expanded an universe. Yeah. Who, who's the company producing it? New Line? Whatever company is producing his film is gonna take it and just. Let's make, let's make a. Well, Anya Taylor Joy a superhero. She gets bitten by a radioactive yeah, spider or something. Yeah. And then ride that <laughs> shit into the ground, too. Yeah. yeah. Alright, I think we've exhausted our. Uh, takes on Batman Returns. Let's get some final thoughts here before we depart. Yeah, uh, I think Batman Returns is a great Batman movie on its own. Uh, It's also um, a great movie to to gather around with the family on on Christmas Eve and, and, you know, uh, enjoy the penguin calling for the death of all firstborn sons. You know, Merry Christmas. <laughs> it's, it's, very, it's a very fun movie that goes by pretty quickly, actually. Even though it's a two-hour film, it felt like uh, just a, a quick hour, actually. It was very quick. And uh, you, what you need to keep in mind is it's not like the Nolan films. So, yeah, that's basically very important. Because if you're expecting that, then you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the uh, current state of superhero films, it's great to see something prior to uh, the franchise universe comic book era at Marvel set. Uh, there, you're getting a lot of um, style in this film that you don't see in most of these other films. Um, you could say there's style in something like Ragnarok, but um, not to the extent where the darkness that you associate with something like Tim Burton is present and doesn't come through. Um, it is very, uh, you get a lot of great performances in terms of Danny DeVito, even though, you know, there's some comments that don't age very well. Uh, but Michelle Pfeiffer. He is a deranged penguin, man. Yeah, he is so it kind of makes sense coming out of his mouth as a character. Yeah. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer <laughs> is every bit as iconic as everyone says it is. And even though, you know, Batman is not the center focus, you do get that nice, uh, you say, three or four-way split of characters. And I think uh, it's definitely a fresh breath of fresh air. So that's my take on the movie. Um, I think objectively, maybe not, you know, some camp in it. You can't even hold up, but still... That's still that good stuff. Yeah. All right. We're not going to drag it on any longer than it needs to be. Um, uh, let's see. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we're on SoundCloud for the episodes every Monday. But Apple... You guys got to get a viral tweet and then plug your SoundCloud. Oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Every time one of the tweets now, someone's plugging something. Yeah. Um, Some people plug in charities, which kind of ruined it for everyone else (laughs) those thoughtful people (laughs) those thoughtful people (laughs) Um, we're on Apple Podcasts that's probably the more preferred way than SoundCloud people like Stitcher but we're not on there like Stitcher Google Play no some people do Spotify it's been getting we should try Spotify yeah we should put it we should put this on try it yeah definitely do they accept like SoundCloud because I heard they've been making it easier uh, I think it's just you have an RSS feed. Regardless, uh, please like and rate us on Apple Podcasts. 
I don't, I pitch us every week, you know, go rate us. That's the way we climb the ranks and their popularity, algorithm, whatever. Uh, go do our Amazon Smile or MeUndies, Casper Mattresses, uh, Blue, Blue Apron, Apron, Freshly, Squarespace, Squarespace, uh, WeWork, Audible, WeWork good one. Audible. Uh, I don't really understand why WeWork is advertising on podcasts. Like, who makes those kinds of decisions about? like where your business actually is located that happens to listen to podcasts, right? Like how often are they deciding like we need a new space to work and I have the power to make that decision and I'm going to decide based on a podcast ad. I don't know. <laughs> what is we, uh, what's we work? Um, it's like a um, sort of a um, office space that like m- multiple companies can work out of. It's like a shared office space sort of. Um, huh. Wow, I've heard of a we transfer. Yes, to share files. Yes, yeah, not quite the same. WeWork has like coffee and stuff. Uh, like it, it has like a mobile um, cold brew station that they bring. And this is a physical thing. It's a, it's off. Yeah, it's essentially office space. Just like Airbnb for office space. Kind of. Wow. Yes, kind of. I'm learning new things every day. Yeah. Got to invest. Yeah. You're going to cut all that, right? <laughs> no, no, no. We like the ramble. Okay. The ramble stays in. The ramble, yeah, it, it keeps it fresh. It keeps it yeah. uh, personal. Yeah. Uh, we're going to call it here. We hope everyone is having a wonderful break from school. Um, next week episode is uploading on December 24th. So that is our Die Hard episode. Yeah. Hopefully. We'll get it done. As we'll get it done. Are you guys going to debate if it's a Christmas movie or not? It's a Christmas movie. I guess we could have had that debate for this as well, but that would be interesting. It's, it's a Christmas movie. It takes place at Christmas. It's Christmas, Christmas Eve, I think. It's the night of Christmas Eve. So stay tuned for that. But until next time, thank you for listening, and we hope you guys have a great break. Catch you next time. Peace. Bye. Thank you. Bye.